Well, good morning, and um, what a joy it is to be at family camp. It's uh, just one of the events that we really enjoy. We feel such a, a part of this district and um, feel part of the family, and so thank you. Thank you for your wonderful and warm welcome. Just um, a little note about some of my books. Um, Paul's latest book, Faithful, the last 10 years of our time at Trinity is available at the back. And then I know some of you have got this from last time I was here, Wild Hope, my memoir. Um, Wild Hope because it's filled with hopeful stories. Some of you may know the story of our son who had an accident and was dead at the scene and God gave him back to us. That story's in here. Story about my sister who drowned and God gave her back to us. Just amazing stories. And then my latest book, um, Simple Trust, a devotional. Um, just 50 pithy little devotionals that deal with issues we face on an everyday basis. Um, things like keep on keeping on, you're the guardian of your heart, the antidote to pressure, the grass is not always green on the other side, how to deal with anger, dealing with, um, with uh, fear, um, how to deal with pain, what is the purpose of pain, just pithy little readings, and um, those are available at the back, and I'll be there afterwards. So thank you for having us. It's a joy to be here. This morning, I would like to speak on a topic that I know um, is at the forefront of much of our thinking after the past two years. And so I want to speak on a topic I've entitled Healthy Minds. Healthy Minds. And I'd like to look at a scripture and read the scripture from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Otherwise, it's going to come up on the screen. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I find that so interesting. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect and pleasing will is. <clears throat> Many years ago, when I was studying psychology, one of the books that I had to study was a book called Man in Context. I guess the title gives it away, how the working of the body and the mind go hand in hand. We are people that work, our body works in context, our mind, our, our body all work to flow together. And in the beginning of the book, I told the story of a man by the name of Norman Cousins. Norman Cousins had a disease called ankylosing spondylitis. That should not be a disease. It's too pretty a name to be a disease. Ankylosing spondylitis. But it was, his connective tissue was coming apart, and he was given probably a one in 500 chance of living, said he wouldn't live for more than a couple of years. And... Um, Norman Cousins was reading in the Bible one day, and he saw a verse that captivated his attention. Um, it said, a merry heart does good like a medicine. And so Norman Cousins began to study um, 
the health and, and, and what impact laughter and happiness had on, on your uh, physical being. And um, he found that there was a lot of research to show that if you were happy internally, that, that it, it, it was good for your health. And he began to, one of his therapies was he would watch some movies and have hearty laughter for an hour every day. And after that hour of laughter, he would feel a release of pain because the endorphins from his brain would flood his body and those antibiotics would work as a, a natural pain reliever. And um, he found this out, and, and you may not know this, but Norman Cousins became an, a very famous person, and he was, uh, although not academically equipped, he would lecture in places like Yale and Harvard and uh, speak about the idea of, of, of a healthy mind and healthy and a happy heart, because the Bible says, um, laughter is good like a medicine. You know, uh, scientists have discovered through the years that this is a true fact, but the Bible was way ahead of science when it comes to healthy minds and healthy bodies. And so um, they found that there's a link between the health of your body, success, achievement, all these things go hand in hand. And the Bible says to us, be transformed daily by the renewing of your mind. It's a daily process. It's a daily discipline. So I want to look a little bit about that. And the first thing I want to note is that our minds need to be renewed daily. This is a task for each one of us. Nobody else can do this for us, okay? You can, I'm not saying psychologists do not help in certain ways, but the renewal of your mind is a daily process and only you can do that. You are responsible for the health of your mind. No one else is responsible for that. You need daily discipline and solitude. You need daily discipline and solitude. You need to start your day right. You need to start your day with your focus being on Jesus. It takes work. It's like a muscle. Your brain is a muscle. And it needs to be worked. And it takes daily work at keeping this muscle, this brain, healthy. So, wonderful. We need to make sure that we renew our minds daily. But how do we do this? How do we do this? And the first thing I want to point out is you begin your day right. Begin your day right. Listen to what the psalmist says. He says in Psalm 5 verse 3, In the morning, Lord... You hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. There's just something about that morning hour. There's something about as you open your eyes in the morning and you begin your day with Jesus that just puts a whole new um, change on your day, a whole new focus to your day as you begin your day right. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 50, verse 45. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. I love that. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. There's something about quietness in that early morning 
that is just very special. God can get your attention as you just open your day to him and present your day to him. I remember when we were living in South Africa, um, we've had a daily habit of starting our day with Jesus. And um, we, our college was going through a time of growth and expansion. And um, Paul had gone to our leadership team and said, you know, we really need to get some buildings up. And I don't know how we're gonna do this, but I think we need to take out a loan. Our college was debt free. We need to take out a loan. And at that stage, we needed something like $250,000. It was many years ago, so it would probably be more like $2 million now. And uh, it just seemed like an incredible amount of money. And our leaders, you could tell that they didn't want to go there. They didn't want to go there. And I'm sitting in the early hours of the morning on my bed, and I read the scripture in Isaiah 45. I read, um, I will break through bond, uh, gates of bronze, and I will give you treasures stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And as I read that word, it's like a rhema to my heart. And God said to me, go to Paul's office and tell him your leadership don't need to take out a loan. I'm going to give you that money. And when you know it's God, you just know it's God. So I, I didn't even take a second breath. I shot all the way up to his office. I got into his office pantly, panting and I said to him, this is the verse I read. He was about to leave for France and Germany. He had ministry there. And, um, and so I read the scripture. He said, oh, wonderful souls. I said, no, not souls, money. God's going to give us money. He said, get behind me, you carnal woman. Um, <laughs> but then, but then he, he kind of opened his ear to it. I said, I just believe that God's going to give us that 250. I said to him, have you got a bank account in France and Germany? He said, what do you think I am? I've got bank accounts all over the world. I said, I know you're going to get the, I just knew that he was going to get this money. And um, and so we had our staff and faculty meeting. There were 60 people in our, our uh, meeting that day. And we put that verse up in Isaiah 45 and said, you know, we trust in God for this. And Paul left for France and Germany. And the next day he got to, he got to the airport. He was tired. Friends came and met him off the plane. And they said, uh, a very good friend of ours at that stage, I know he's gone to heaven now, Reinhard Bonke would like to take you out for breakfast. He, he wants to hear what God's doing at Africa School of Missions, the college that we'd started, and um, great things were happening. So Paul splashed his face, and they went out for breakfast, had a lovely breakfast. Paul was telling him what God is doing. And then Reinhard wiped his mouth and said to Paul, um, God's just spoken to me. You know, I, I don't know if any of you know Reinhardt, he had that very deep voice. God has just spoken to me, brother. I don't know if I got that right, but something like that, you know. So Paul looked at him and said, oh, very nice. And um, he said, come back with me to my office. And he did. And he said, he said to Paul, we're about to go to Africa, got a big campaign coming up, preaching to millions. He said, but when we were sitting together, God said to me, take all that money for the campaign and sow it into Paul's ministry. So um, 
Paul had no idea about this, and they were sitting in the office, and he calls Annie, and he phones the financial person, and they come in with a check, and um, Paul was very discreet and folded the check, and Reinhardt said, no, 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 look at it. You know how we British, you know, so we, we kind of tend to be quite proper. So when you get a check, you don't look at it because that's just considered rude, you know, to, to look at a check. So you fold the check, and then you say, excuse me, I need the restroom, and you go to the restroom, and, <laughs> you know, that's just, that's British. That's South African. So... So Reinhardt said to him, no, 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 look at the check. And he looked at it, and that, there on that check, one day after I got that word from God, was $250,000, the exact amount of money that we needed for our project. And uh, yeah, God is amazing. God is amazing. And I, I sometimes wonder if I hadn't have had that quiet moment, early morning moment, just sitting there waiting for God, if I would have heard, he, he, I know God can disrupt our time and speak to us at any time of day or night, but there was something about that quiet moment with my precious Jesus, and uh, he knew our hearts, he knew our desires, he knew our burdens, and he was able to speak to me in that quiet moment. Blaise Pascal, the, the uh, mathematician and theologian, said this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room. You know, one of the things we did at Trinity when we got there, we've done a lot of project development in the last number of years, but one of the things, the first, one of the first buildings we built was a prayer chapel, and we built it right in the center of our campus. And it was so deliberate and so intentional, and there was imagery and metaphor behind that whole idea of the prayer chapel in the center. Because we wanted that prayer chapel to say to our students and to everybody that came onto our campus, this is where it begins. This is where it begins, and this is the place that will give you strength to go out into the noise and the hustle and the bustle and the city and the byways and bring men and women back to Jesus. But this is where it begins, in the quiet place. And as Pentecostals, we love doing, we love action, and that's all good, but we also remember, we need to remember that there's a time when we need to stop, and I think that the best time is to begin your day right. And then the second thing is, be aware of your thought processes. I don't know about you, but sometimes thoughts just r run around in my brain, and I stop at, where did that thought come from? You know, wow, where did that crazy thinking come from? Be aware of your thought processes. Work hard at keeping your brain clean. Friends, there's material that you should never read because it's not going to help keep your brain clean. Friends, there's media and stuff you should never watch because it's not going to help you keep your brain clean. This is just good, practical, solid advice. If there's stuff on your computer that you keep going back to, put, put some watches there. Help yourselves. Don't do stupid things that don't help you, that don't help keep your brain clean. Let me tell you a little story. Um, 
We had a, a, a missionary friend whose name was Horace Butler. He was a British missionary, and I guess we often say with a name like that, he was destined to become a missionary, Horace Butler. And so he was a missionary in Kenya, and uh, he had a wonderful work going there. And he'd bought a new car, and the car got stolen, and he was having issues with his insurance agency. And... Um, so he went into his insurance agency and he was ready to pick a big fight with them because he was fed up. And um, while he's pacing up and down waiting to go to the next available counter, a very, very handsome African man walks through the door. And Horace's immediate thought is, I'm going to save him trouble. I'm going to save this man trouble. I'm going to go and tell him that he should not insure with this agency. And as he's walking towards him, Jesus says, tell him about me. And he thinks, that's the last thing you want to do when you're uptight, you know. You, you got this battle going on inside, and then Jesus, tell him about me. And Horace, you know, this all happening very quickly. And Horace goes up to him, and he begins to speak to him about Jesus. He begins to tell him about the wonderful saving grace of Jesus. And the African man looks at him and he says to Horace, you've been brainwashed. And Horace looked back at him and said, you're right. He said, you should have seen how dirty my brain was before Jesus washed it. <laughs> and the man looked at him and the man said, here's my card. I'm at this hotel room, 509, whatever it was. Please meet me there at 9 o'clock. So Horace, you know, didn't understand that the man shot out um, of the insurance agency, and Horace had this card at 9 o'clock. He went to the hotel, went upstairs, found the room, knocked on the door, 9 o'clock. He heard latches coming undone, things being moved. He thought, what on earth is going on? And he, he walked into the room and um, <clears throat> the man said, Sir, come here, I want to show you something. This is an absolutely true story. And he began to open the drawers in his, in his hotel room. And there were hand grenades and there was weaponry. And he said, I've been training in the U.S. for years now, in Germany. And he said, uh, sorry, in Germany. And he said, I, I'm ready to cause havoc in the city. Ready to cause absolute havoc in the city. Um, we've been trained that by tomorrow this place would be annihilated. And Horace saw all of this weaponry in these drawers. And he looked at Horace, he said, today you reminded me of what my mother told me when I was a little boy. He said, you reminded me of some of the Sunday school stories that I was told. And he said, I want to give my heart and my life back to Jesus. And in that hotel room, surrounded by the stuff that would have caused devastation in the city of Nairobi, Horace Butler led that man to Jesus. I'm not sure what happened to all the hand grenades. I'm sure... The government got involved and things happened, but that man fled the country 
and he kept in touch with Horace Butler, and every now and again, he would send a little note to Horace, a postcard, came from different places all the time, and all it said was, so glad my brain is clean. So glad my brain is clean. What an amazing story. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. Remember that story, but when you do, remember the whole idea of keeping your brain clean, that it takes work to keep your brain. It's not a one-time experience. It's not a salvation experience makes my brain clean straight away. It's a daily experience of ensuring that we keep our focus on Jesus. The Bible says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, the author and perfecter of our faith. Don't get your eyes off Jesus. Philippians, Paul put it this way in Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think, think about such things. Be aware of your thought processes. I like what Gandhi said. He said this, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. Don't let anyone with dirty feet walk through your brain. Watch what thoughts go through your brain. Be aware of your thought processes. And then... <clears throat> The other way to keep your minds daily renewed is take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians says, and we take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I don't know about you, but there have been occasions in my life where I've struggled with forgiveness. Somebody has done something to me that has hurt me very deeply internally, and, um, and I've said I forgive them, and I thought I have, and then thoughts go around in my mind about that person again, and I think I don't think I've forgiven them. Forgiveness is a process. It doesn't mean you haven't. It just means you're struggling with the process. And um, I learned an important lesson that every time that thought came into my head, I would take it captive. I, wouldn't, I would not allow myself to dwell on that thought because you know why? It wasn't good for my soul. It wasn't good for my heart. It was not good for me. You are the guardian of your heart. Nobody else is. You cannot blame anybody else for the state of your heart and your mind. You are the guardian of your heart. You have to ensure that you keep your heart and your mind clean on a daily basis. And what does the Apostle Paul say if you do this? He says in Philippians 4 verse 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Samuel Smiles said. He said, sow a thought and you'll reap an act. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Where does it all start? You're reaping a destiny. Where does it all start? 
It all starts with that thought in your brain. That thought. And some of you friends just have to take those thoughts captive. Some of you have allowed fear to invade your hearts and your minds. And, and you know, I often say fear is a human, it's a natural human response. Do you know that there's a part of your brain called the amygdala and it has a f flight and fright response and, and it's a good thing you, you are supposed to flee um, when fear is there. Imagine if we didn't have that. Imagine if we didn't run from fear. We would, or if we were never afraid, we'd do, probably do daft things like jump off buildings and do really crazy things. But because of this part of our brain that responds to fear, so fear is natural, but when fear begins to overtake you, it becomes a problem. And so work hard. Work hard at keeping your brains clean. Work hard at what goes in and comes out of your brain. Because number two, our mindset determines our actions. Our mindsets determine our actions. What did Jesus say? He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As you think in your heart, so you are. Psychologists did a big piece of research in the UK amongst leaders, a bit of empirical research, and they found that um, leaders could say one thing and do a completely different thing. And they found out that you can only act congruently with your thoughts. So it doesn't matter what you say. You can say, I'm whole. But if you're not whole on the inside, you're not going to act whole. Because your thoughts determine your actions. So you can say, I'm this and I'm that. But if you're not, you're going to act in the way. You're not going to act incongruently with your thoughts. Um, and so it's very important that we watch our minds and we also make sure we keep them healthy because our mindsets always determine our actions. They always determine our actions. We need, firstly, we need to be deliberate and thoughtful about our actions. In other words, you need to think about what you're doing and why you're doing. You know what Joshua said to the people of Israel in Joshua 24? He said, listen, guys, You've got to make up your minds. If you want to go running after other gods, you go and do it. He said, you've got to make some choices here. Choose your actions. Choose what you're going to do. If you want to run after other gods, you go and do it. But he said, you know, as for me and my household, we've made some decisions. We've made some determined decisions. We are going to serve the Lord. So we need to be deliberate and thoughtful about our actions. You know, I often say it's those, it's those important moments in the quiet place where you, you make some very determined choices that will shape your destiny. So, you know, some of us, we just have to get into that quiet place and we have to say, this is my commitment. God as long as I'm alive and I'm serving you, I'm going to remain faithful to you and I'm going to remain faithful to my spouse. 
You know what that means? When you make that cold decision in the light of day, in the quiet, and you've, you've thought it through, and you've said, and you've put in place the things you need to put in place to ensure that you remain faithful to God and to your spouse. You know what that means? It means when the t moment of temptation comes, you're gonna make the right choice because you've already made the big decision. So when that moment of temptation comes, which surely it does for all of us, those moments of temptation, it means in that moment, I've made my decision. This is my choice. I'm gonna make the right choice because all of our mindsets determine our actions. Make good choices. Listen to what Viktor Frankl said. I don't know if you know Viktor Frankl. He was an existential philosopher. He was an Austrian Jew. He was in Auschwitz. Um, he said this, the last of man's, of the human freedoms is man's right to choose his attitude in any and every situation. That's the last of the human freedoms. Let me put it into context. This is how he came to believe this and write his, his book. He said, he was in prison and he said, he said, the people in the prison all went through the same stuff. He said they, they were all deprived of food, they were treated inhumanely. Um, he said it was absolutely terrible. He said there were some prisoners who would lie on the floor and they would just curse God. And he said there were others who would take the last crust of their bread and the last bit of their water and go and feed it to somebody that they was in less poor was in poorer condition than they were. And he said I learnt that the last of the human freedoms was man's right to choose his the way he behaves, the way he acts in every situation. And he said, I saw that. I saw, he said, the same little bit of sun would stream through those bars day by day, and some people would see the sunshine, other people would just see the prison bars. You choose. You choose what you see. You choose what your actions will be. I'll never forget visiting... Um, the famous prison where Nelson Mandela was imprisoned um, on that little island called Robben Island. And I remember when we went one day, Paul and I many years ago, went to his prison cell and we visited Robben Island. And I remember just looking at his cell and at that stage we were still able to go into his cell. And I, I, I took, everybody was moving on and I said to Paul, I just want to stand in his cell for a few minutes. And I just stood there and I looked at the bars and I looked at this simple little mat and the thin little blanket and the Cape winds were howling through those bars. And I just stood there and I thought about the man for a moment. And I thought, what a courageous man. He determined that he would never allow bitterness to enter into his heart. No matter how he was treated by the government of that day, he would not allow bitterness to enter his heart. And he taught prisoners that. He would teach them in the sand, in, in, in the yard. And he would, he would help them and he, 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 would, he would say to them, we don't have to give our dignity away. It's ours to keep. And, and, and what an important lesson for us to realize that we've got to keep our hearts and our minds, we've got to make the right choices, 
Nobody can make those choices for you, only you can. And why? Because your actions have consequences. Galatians 6 verse 7 and 8 says this, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. I heard a little story um, a while ago. We used to live in the UK, and one of the things we did was frequently train up to London. It was the fastest way from the college that we led there, the university and seminary that we led there. And so we were often in and out of London. And um, someone told me of a couple, and this woman used to catch the tube. I don't know if you've been to London, but those tubes go at a heavy pace, and they you know, they're just one very um, easy way to get transported around London. And she caught this tube every morning, and one morning she got on the tube, and there was a man on the tube, and they acknowledged each other and, you know, looked at each other. And and she got on every morning, and he was there, and they acknowledged each other, and then they began to greet each other. And then uh, really a friendship developed, and they began to sit with each other. And, um, and she would look at her watch, and if she was going to be late and miss that train, she'd get into a total panic because she now just had to have this hour with this man every morning, and she'd make sure that she was on that train. And one day she stopped and thought, I don't think this is good for my marriage. And so on a Saturday morning, she got up, and she made her husband a nice egg and bacon breakfast, and she took it up to him. She sat down on the edge of the bed and she told him the story I've just told you. And he looked at her and this is what he said. He said to her, change trains. Change trains. That's all he said. Do you know what? There's some people here and you need to change trains. And you're here because God wanted you to hear this message. God wanted you to hear this because he wants to save you. He wants to save your marriage. He wants to save your ministry. And some of you just need to take advice today and change trains. And then number three, our mindset determines our future. I always pause at numbers 13 and 14. You know the story, 12 leaders. Moses wants to send them to the promised land and he chooses the creme de la creme. He chooses the creme de la creme of society. He wants the the best to, to go out and spite the land. And they all see the same terrain, don't they? They all go, they all see exactly the same but they come back with different stories. Ten of them have a negative report. Only two of them have a positive report. Let me tell you this. Your mindset can pull you down or propel you forward. You choose. You choose. It can pull you down or it could propel you into your future. You choose. Your mindset can make you seem small or God big. I mean, 
That's exactly what happened here in this story. What does it say at the end of Numbers 13? It says, we felt like grasshoppers and we looked the same to them. Listen, friends, I'm just telling you this. If you feel like a grasshopper, you act like a grasshopper. And if you act like a grasshopper, you start looking like a grasshopper. And if you look like a grasshopper, people are gonna treat you like grasshoppers. So quit the grasshopper mentality and start to realize who you are in your God. You are not a grasshopper. The people of Israel should have known that they were not grasshoppers. They were the called, the chosen. God had put his hand on their lives. They knew who they were. They knew their destiny. They knew their future. They knew where God wanted them to go. But because their mindset was so small and they let it get the better of them, they let it take over them, over their thinking, their stupid, pitiful, small thinking, They saw themselves as grasshoppers. And there is no need for you to see yourself as a grasshopper because you are not a grasshopper. You're a child of God. Think of Elijah. And I always find this story a little bit humorous. One minute he's out there on Mount Carmel and he's full of faith and he's going, you know, he's laughing at these 400 prophets of Baal and going, come on, call on your God, you know, come on, maybe he can't hear you, shout a little louder. And then his God comes out in magnificent power and does the most amazing things in the sight of all. And we know the story and then a chapter later, he's sitting under a broom tree. And I mean, all he can do is feel sorry for himself. And what does he do? He sees him, this man who was facing Ahab now sees himself, Jezebel's after me. He's scared of of Jezebel. He's scared of this queen. Why? Because his mindset saw himself as small instead of seeing the big God that he served. Your mindset can limit what you do or enlarge your borders. You choose. Your mindset can make you focus on the problem or take hold of the promise. I love the story of Ruth Graham. She was lying in bed one night. She was praying for her son. He was out with his friend. She knew that they were doing drugs. She was concerned about him. She was praying for him. And God spoke to her heart and he said, Are you going to focus on the problem or are you going to focus on the promise? Are you going to focus on the problem or are you going to focus on the promise? Isn't it weird how at night your mind does funny things? You know, you focus on all the negative, on the problems. Are you going to focus on the problem or are you going to focus on the promise? Your mindset can make you magnify the obstacle you know, a little, little, mount, little uh, anthill can become a mountain in your mind. Or you're going to focus on the blessing and the promise of God. Your mindset can see a stumbling block or a stepping stone. It can be a stumbling block or you can say, man, this is one huge stepping stone into the best thing that God has for me. Your mindset can be your greatest enemy or it can be your greatest tool. Friends, there's nothing more important for us than to keep our hearts and our minds healthy. And it is something only we can do. It is something only we can do. 
I'm not saying that there's some people that don't need further help and I don't decry any of that. If you need further help, please get it. But there's some things just to keep your, health, your mind healthy on a daily basis that only you can do. And Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, I love this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not 99%. With all your heart. And what? Lean not unto your own understanding. Gosh, I lean on my own understanding so many times. I have a problem. And I, I get a good idea. And I tell God the good idea. I say, God, this is exactly how you can work this out. I found God's never taken up one of my ideas. Not one of them. And I tell you, you know why? Because he's infinitely cleverer than I am. And his ways are higher than mine. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And then listen to this part of it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not in some of your ways, not when you're in church, when you go to work, it's a different story. No, 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 no. This is 24-7, friends. 24-7. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then what does the Bible say? He'll make your path straight. Didn't say he'll make them trouble free, but he'll make them straight and he'll journey with you. Saint Augustine said this Faith is to believe what we do not see. Exactly what Hebrews 11 says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is to believe what we do not see. The reward of that faith is to see what you believe. Friends, I'm praying that your eyes will see what you're believing for today. <clears throat> I'm praying that God will open your eyes and give you that faith, the substance of things hoped for. And that's not a, that's not a vain hope. That's not Hope in the, the biblical sense is not wishful thinking. Hope in the biblical sense is that deep internalized faith that the evidence is on its way. I don't see it yet, but it's coming. God is going to answer my prayer.